everybody. Oof. Just waking up. How is everybody doing? I was up all night watching that dang game. Thank you for joining us. Very excited you're here. I'm sure all of you were up watching that epic game. Finally, Tim, finally a close game in these playoffs, right? Week after week after week of blowout after blowout. It was refreshing to see some good old-fashioned close checking playoff hockey. Didn't you think? Yeah, I stayed up all night. I watched the entire thing, all seven periods. I loved it. Um, and it, it, the I actually didn't stay up. I'm joking. But the Carolina gets a lot of like um, criticism online for kind of playing a quote unquote boring style of hockey, where they chip it in, they try to force just the old style. They don't. There's nothing flashy about their game. But I like that, especially in a game like that. I don't know how you keep up any kind of speed and momentum. I mean, I know the game slows down when you're talking third, fourth, fifth overtime, whatever, but it's still like, it was still, they were buzzing around all night. Well, you could know by the third overtime, even the second overtime, you started to notice the fatigue was setting in just a little bit because there's a point as a coach where do I roll the lines? Do I start sitting guys? How do I, you know, coach this game? And in the first overtime, they still were being very conservative with their bench where they weren't playing their fourth line very much. Brandon Montour is playing every other shift. So it wears on you. By the time the second overtime comes around, it's like, okay, we got to start getting more players in the mix because we're not going to be able to sustain if this keeps going. By the third overtime, Montour's gassed. Everybody else is gassed who's been playing every other shift. And you have to start incorporating everybody else. But it's it's tough because these guys are going out every other shift. And then when you look at the final numbers, it's like, okay, Brandon Montour almost played an hour. There's a defenseman. Mahura played a half an hour. So Montour played 30 minutes more than Mahura. It, 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 it is what it is. But let's just recap the game. Panthers started out fantastic. Carolina played great. Carolina went up one nothing. Panthers bounced right back in the second period, potted two goals right in a row. Hurricanes responded in the third. We go into overtime. Do you want to touch on regular uh, play at all, Tim, the first three periods, or just jump into overtime? Uh, I think overtime is really where the story is, although I will point out two points for friend of the show, Seth Jarvis. Pretty nice. He might be dead to me if he doesn't respond to my text soon. <laughs> so let's just we'll, – we'll keep that one on ice for now. But, yeah, he played great. I think Anthony Duclair, that line with Verhege and Barkov, obviously played fantastic. They scored two goals in a matter of two minutes. They played fantastic. And the star of the show, Sergei Bobrovsky. Like you, you have to be somewhat surprised almost that he is turning in these types of performances after kind of the way his career has gone. All but out of the NHL, really, the only reason he's sticking around in Florida the last few years is because of his contract. They can't send him down. They can't trade him. He's there. He's been a backup. Now he's eight and two in the playoffs. He's won how many in a row? I don't know. He's the first goalie in NHL history to have two consecutive 50 save games in the playoffs. He improves to eight and two. He had an almost a 970 save percentage yesterday. He's playing lights out. I said it yesterday. I said, Freddie Anderson doesn't have to steal a game. He just has to be good. And last night he was good. Freddie Anderson stopped, what, 62 shots, 58 shots, something like that, something insane. Sergei Bobrovsky stole that game. 
He played lights out on his head, stopping shot after shot, grade A chance after grade A chance, breakaway to Nozick or Nozin or whoever it was right at the very end of the third period to keep it 2-2. He played phenomenal, Tim. He stole that game, in my opinion. That was Carolina's game to win. Florida played okay. The reason they get to overtime, the reason they stick around in overtime is because of Sergei Bobrovsky. He played absolutely lights out hockey the whole entire game. Freddie Anderson played well. Don't get me wrong. There was not a bad goal among the five that were scored. Bobby just saved. He saved surefire goals that should have been in the back of the net. Don't you think? Yeah, well, we talked about him being a guy that was capable of stealing a game, and he certainly did it last night. I was looking this morning at um, Con Smythe's odds just to see. You'd think he'd be the favorite, but he's not. And I know they factor in, like, who's most likely to win in the odds, not just the best player to their team. But he's, like, down, like, eight or nine on the list in some of the ones I was looking at. Uh, DraftKings is number two behind Matthew Kachuk. But, yeah, he's he's been the star of the show for me. And they don't they don't win nearly as many games without him. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting turnaround. Game two is tomorrow, technically. Game one ended today at 2.30 in the morning, so there's a very short turnaround. Sergei Bobrovsky is 34 years old. How quick can he recover? He spent the whole game in goaltending position. He's squatting. He's, his legs have to be burning. There wasn't very much time where he was able to just relax. There was a lot of time spent in the D zone. How quickly can he recover? I don't know. Are you a 34-year-old NHL goalie, Tim? I know how it feels as a player. As a player, it's hard enough. I can't imagine a goaltender. I played goalie a few times in practice, just messing around for like 20 minutes, and I was absolutely gassed. I can't imagine playing for two hours and 47 minutes, Tim. This game was two hours, 19 minutes, and 47 seconds. He's the only guy on the Florida Panthers that was out there the whole time. It's insane. If you do a squat, a non-weighted squat, how long do you think you can sit there without having to stand up, without failing? Not leaning against the wall, you just squat. Not that long. I mean, my knees would give out. I'd be sore. Like 30, 45 seconds, a minute maybe if you're, <laughs> yeah. you're shaking. Yeah. Out of those two two hours and 19 minutes, he's in a full squat with pads on, moving side to side, probably for a half an hour of it. Wouldn't you think? Like where he's actively in a set position, maybe more. It's insane the amount of work that he put in and Freddie Anderson put in. These guys are not spring chickens. This will be interesting to see how they bounce back to tomorrow night because they will be in the net. They're the starters. It's, it's going to be incredible to see. I wish I was a fly on the wall for them. Are they getting IVs? What does their rehydration look like? Because I've been in long games. I've been around long games. You see the guys in the training room getting IVs. You see guys, all kinds of vitamins, all kinds of drinks, to the bio steel, the Gatorade. They're pouring stuff in there, electrolytes. They're eating oranges. They're eating bananas. There's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They're bringing pizza in. The longest game I played in was thir- three overtimes. They were throwing food at us to try to get us to eat. And when you're playing in a game, you don't feel like having food in your stomach. That's why you have pregame meal at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, because you can't play with a full stomach. It just doesn't feel good. So it's it's a weird thing where I don't want to eat because it's going to make me feel bad. 
on the ice. But if I don't eat, my body's going to shut down. So I have to do it to get the calories in me. It's a, it's a weird dynamic. So just listening to Montour and Kachuk, they're like guys were eating bananas, orange slices, all the electrolytes they could get their hands on, just trying to get fluids in you. Because at that point, you're, you're running on fumes. It's an insane situation. And you could tell by the end of the second, the whole third overtime period, there wasn't many grade A chances. It was just a war of attrition at that point. Who's going to make the first mistake when you're out there? You're, you're just trying to survive. The passes aren't as crisp. They're not tape to tape. You're just getting it out of the zone. And then it's just a random shot that's going to go in. And that's what happened. There was a little mini turnover on the boards. Brent Burns kind of does a half-hearted shot around the boards, ends up on Kachuk's tape, 12 or 13 seconds left, and he roofs it. Not a great shot. It was a good shot. I think that puck is being saved if it's second period in a regular game. I don't think Anderson was quite ready for it. He was kind of maybe already heading to the tunnel. Great fifth overtime period. Here we go. His mind was already checked out maybe a little bit. Burns had full control of the puck behind the net. And it's in the back of your net and the game's over. What are you going to do? It's an incredible way to end the game. What do you think? Is this a bigger win for Florida stealing one? Because when does the series begin, Tim? I believe when you were born, the doctor patted you on your behind. And instead of crying, what did you say? I said the series doesn't start till someone loses it at home. First words. Those were his pretty, first words. Allegedly. The doctor was like, who is this kid? Does he have a podcast? Who's this man? Yes, he will. He will have a podcast. But <laughs> is this a bigger win for the Florida Panthers or is it a bigger loss for the Carolina Hurricanes? Because listen to what Rod Brindamore had to say after the game. He said, that's the worst way to lose. There's no way around that. That's pretty striking for a coach to say that. You contrast that to a Sheldon Keefe from Toronto, who just sugarcoats everything. Oh, we're fine. We'll find a way. You know, we'll learn from this. It's not that bad. Our top guys played fantastic. We'll bounce back. I love Brendan Moore's answer. He's like, there's there's no worse way to lose. That was awful. That stings. That was it. That's all he said. So who does this affect more? Do, Do you think Carolina dwells on this? Going into game two, do you think Florida uses this as a, as a jumping off point where it's like, hey, we, we can hang with these guys. We got them by the, on the run here. We've won game one. They did the same thing to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who has the advantage going into game two now, Tim? Florida's on the road. It's harder to recover on the road. Carolina's at home. I'm, I'm stealing your answers. I'm sorry. Go. I haven't talked in like 15 minutes. Um, I think it, it's a We've only point. been on the podcast for like seven. You, you just exaggerate. That's okay. Apologize. It's a bigger win for Florida. It's a bigger win for Florida. I think Carolina still thinks they're the better team. They probably are. And they're not, they're not the kind of team that's going to get super down. I know Brenda Moore talked about that last night and and he's reacting in the moment, but they'll be ready for game two. And I, I I think the recovery is the bigger thing. Like who bounces back better? Cause even like you mentioned Bobrovsky, he said in game five um, in Toronto, the overtime goal game, that he lost 20 plus pounds in that game. And he typically loses like 15 to 20 every game. How many do you think he lost last night? He must be skinning bones right now. And so that kind of brings up some good questions I got from a listener, John. Um, just sent in a few good questions. I think it's probably something that a lot of people are wondering about when it comes to game, like marathon games like this. Um, and the first one, I don't know if you know this or not, but are there any like NHL or NHLPA regulations or rules or guidelines when games go this long in terms of prepping for game two or... Is there any kind of delay, any reason to push back the game? What are the, are there any rules on this? 
there is uh, there is a rule for time off between games. So I I don't think you can have a game in a certain period of time. I don't know the exact number. So just say they played an afternoon game today. They wouldn't be able to play that. Or if they played a night game tonight, I don't know what the time frame is, but there is a rule in place for how close you can have games in the NHL. That's the only rule that I know of, but I don't think it applies here. There's a day off between games. I think they'll be fine. But yeah, it, it does play a factor. They played two games, Tim, last night. Two. Yeah, more. More. Almost like they almost made it to five overtime. So they played two in a bit. It's the amount of ice is just incredible. How how do you got to feel if you're Ryan Lomberg? Played 18 minutes, which is a lot for him usually. You know, that that's a big number for him. He probably didn't play at all in the third and fourth overtime. You just sit there. And I've been in overtime games, too, where I'm stapled to the bench. It's such a weird feeling. You tie your skates up, you get ready to go, and then you just don't you don't play at all. You see guys, like, crawling back to the bench, barely able to move their legs because they're cramping up, and you're just like, crazy fresh here. Crazy fresh. Send me out there, coach. But he just never got any ice. If, if you were in that situation and you hadn't played in, like, 10-plus minutes in overtime, would the coach give you a heads up before he's going to send you back out? Like, what do you tell you? Uh, hey, John, you, you're heading out next, or is it just John go? Like, does it, no, does it, they usually would. And I've been in that yeah. situation, like I said, long overtime periods where I was playing on defense and they say, we're going to need you for one. Either, whether one of our D men got a penalty or they're hurt or they need to go get their skate sharpened, whatever the situation was, they're like, just we need you for a couple shifts. Go out there, get the puck out, don't make any dumb mistakes, ice it if you have to, just play smart. But they'll give you a heads up because I, I'll be honest. I I would take my skates off. I would untie my (laughs) skates because I don't know if I'm sure all of our listeners skate. They all play hockey. It's painful to sit there with your skates tied up when you're not moving. You're just sitting there. All the blood's pooling in your feet. You have these tight skates. It, It starts to get really, really painful. So I would loosen up like the top seven laces. Totally. I would take out the top two. And so if he didn't give me a heads up, I would have no skates on and it would be a complete mess. So he'd give me a heads up. I tie my skates up. I, you know, put tape on my pads. I'd get ready because yeah, you know, no one wants to sit there. So Ryan Lomberg sat there. The game was two hours. He played 18 minutes, which is a lot, but he sat for over 120 minutes, Tim. (laughs) That's Um, so long. Another question here from John is um, our listener, John, does the away team have access to like, I guess it depends on the arena and everything, but like what kind of recovery equipment is to them? Is there hot tubs, cold tubs, ice baths, rehab facilities? Do they have that stuff or does that depend on the situation? Every away team has a cold tub in their locker room. Every away team has three bikes at least that they have access to. They're usually right outside the locker room, kind of in the hallway. That's it. There's no other stuff. So between periods, if you want to jump in the cold tub, you could. There's no hot tubs. There's no any other exercise equipment. There's some stretch bands. There's some weights. There is like a little kit that you have to have for every away team that you show up and you know what you're going to have. There's some kettlebells, stuff like that. But it's nothing that you would find in any regular gym. It's just bare bones, basic stuff. So if you if you want like, you have your masseuse you bring with you usually in the playoffs, your masseuse would come with you on the road so you can get rubbed down. But it's it's not much i guess it is a lot for the average joe but for an nhl hockey player who's used to having a routine doing certain things it's not what it should be 
And how much uh, of an impact is it that the fact that this happened after game one and game two, where there's no travel between the next game? Is that a big thing where they can just rest all day today? Is that a big deal? Well, I guess it would be, it's better for Florida. Yeah. Cause they can just sit in their hotel room and lay around all day. They won't even go to the rink. They'll probably have a meeting in the hotel around lunchtime. They'll grab a nice dinner and they'll go back to bed. If they were, if this was after game two, they'd have to get up, jump on a plane, do all that stuff and then play the next day. So they wouldn't have as good of a recovery as they would today. Cause the flight takes a lot out of you. I know it sounds silly. Flights are, are one of the biggest places where you lose all your dehydrate, all your water. Cause you're up there flying in a plane is the equivalent of being in the desert. That's what I've learned. So for as long as you're up in the plane, you're in the desert. The air is really dry. You're, you're losing moisture through your skin. The air is whipping around you. You have to drink a ton of water when you're up in an airplane. Not many people do it. I myself would play cards and drink beer. Not advisable. So it's good that they're on the road and it's game one. They can lay around in the hotel room. And I don't think it'll be that big of an effect for the players. I think they'll recoup. It'll be the goaltenders. That'll be the ones you have to watch for. Yeah, I saw a funny comment on Twitter that we got to that Bettman's trying to figure out a way to get people to pay more money when it's an overtime game. Such a, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. So Matthew Kachuk gets the winner, Tim. He scores the game winner. He says that was the favorite goal in my whole entire life. Very exciting. And what did I, what did we say yesterday? The one knock on Carolina, they have a fantastic team. They've overcome all kinds of adversity. They got to the third round without arguably three of their top five players. I know I've said that a bunch in the last few podcasts, but it bears repeating because that's a big stat. None of the other top teams lost any players. The Bruins lost Bergeron for what? Two games. He came back. He lost every single game he played in. So all of the other teams have their top guys. Carolina didn't. They made it to the third round. My one issue with the Hurricanes, do they have that guy? Do they have that star player who can step up in the big moment and make a big play? I don't think they do. And it showed last night. They had many chances to win this game. They had grade A chances. Could not finish. Who gets the game winner? The man, Matthew Kuchuk. That's who Florida has. That's what they traded for. That's why they paid so much to get this guy. In big moments, he doesn't shy away. Get the puck on his stick and he buries it. And what does he do? He points right to the tunnel. He's like, let's get out of here. I want to go. Let's start thinking about game two. I absolutely love that. That's why you get this guy, Tim. Look at me when I'm talking to you, Tim. Look at me. Tim's just like looking down. He's thinking about Boston. I brought up Bergeron. He's getting all emotional. Don't you think, though, am I overplaying this card? Because uh, I, I firmly believe you need to have that guy when it comes to the last two rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, maybe you can get by the first round with the team effort. These are all fantastic teams. There has to be some difference. And the difference now is Florida has that guy, and it's Matthew Kachuk. Well, revisiting that trade, too, and I, I know we think about it as Huberdeau for Kachuk, and that's like the big swap, but it was more than that. It was Huberdeau who had 115 points that year. It was Uyghur who had 44 points that year. It was a plus 40. It was a first-round pick and somebody else for Matthew Kachuk, and everyone kind of thought it was sort of lopsided. Like, you probably got the best player, but you probably overpaid for it. They're already the winner. It doesn't even matter if, if they go on. If they lose in this round, you can still say they got the best player in the deal, and they're, they're better off for it. He's just like... It, <sighs> I'm trying to put words like what is it that he's got that that other players aren't able to access 
like the it's not just it's not just like the the measurable stuff like he's willing to block a shot he'll drop the gloves he's a, he's a leader and you can you can look at those things that maybe like a, a a Marner doesn't do right but there's something more than that there's something intangible something not measurable about scoring clutch goals about being the guy in the big situation and and that's one of the hardest things it is to evaluate talent that scouts always talk about like that unmeasurable stat to, to be that guy in the big moment there's no it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And Kachuk has it. And it's just really special to watch. Because, of course, if you would ask, like, okay, this game's going to go to seven overtimes, who's going to score the winning goal? It's Kachuk. You just know it's going to yeah. be. It has to be. Him or Radko Gudis. <laughs> Those yeah. two guys. But uh, there is something there. And and it's not, you know, tangible. You can't feel it. You can't see it. But there is something to be said in overtime about guys who look over their shoulder at the coach saying, put me on the damn ice. I want to get on the ice. And other guys were kind of just staring around like, oh, don't don't pick me. Don't pick me. You want that guy who wants to be in those big moments. And I don't know Austin Matthews from a random guy in a crowd. I don't know Mitch Marner. I don't know any anybody of the young stars. Kachuk has that. He wants to get on the ice. His brother Brady has that. And you can just tell by the way they carry themselves. You can tell in the post-game interview. You can tell how he carries himself in pregame. You can tell how he carries himself on the ice. You don't want to mess with that guy. He will burn you in so many different ways. That's why he that's why Florida got him. It the whole season he proved it. Huberto went from a Florida team that scored at will. He got out of his comfort zone. Look what happened. The biggest point differential in NHL history, 115 to like 40. He got his feelings hurt. He couldn't handle it. Coach didn't like him. He didn't like his coach. So he he caved under the pressure. He couldn't handle it. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. He needs to have everything perfect for him to succeed. Kachuk can do it anywhere, and he will drag everybody along with him. This team has no business making the playoff if, if it's not for him. He dragged this team to the playoffs. When you watch the Florida Panthers with two months left in the season, it was the Matthew Kachuk show. This guy was doing everything. He was fighting. He was hitting. He was scoring. He was getting assists, screaming at his teammates, saying, let's go. And then they all kind of got it. They all snapped into shape. Sam Bennett started playing better. Carter Hagee came back. Anthony Duclair came back. Barkov has always been steady, but he kind of bought into the Kachuk style of play. And now look at this team. They're dangerous. They're an eighth seed. They're an eighth seed, Tim. When's the last time? I don't have it in front of me, but obviously the, the, the great example was the LA Kings that first year in 2010 winning the cup as an eighth seed. I don't remember when's the last time an eighth seed even advanced this far. It, it, it can't happen very often, right? Probably the LA Kings in 2010. I think you answered your own question, but yeah. I, they're, they're not an eighth seed. They're a president's trophy champion team from two years back this year. They scuttled to kind of find their character, find their identity in the regular season. They found in the last month of the season, they were the hottest team coming into the playoffs other than the Boston Bruins. So they dispatched and now look at where they are. Took out the Leafs in five for Pete's sake. Now they're going to, well, I don't know how long this series is going to go. It's a fun series to watch. I hope it goes seven, but goodness gracious, they are fun to watch. They are very fun to watch. Anything else on this game and this series you want to touch on, Tim, before we move on? Uh, Not necessarily on this game, but you mentioned Sutter and everything. Do you want to talk about Zadorov's quote from yesterday? Yeah, what did did, uh, Nikita have to say? So he was interviewed in Russia and this has come up with him before and probably other players where they get interviewed in their home countries and they like somehow forget that it's going to be picked up by the, like the international media. 
And so Zadorov was asked about a bunch of things, but he was asked about Sutter. And this is the quote translated from Russian, not by me. Well, say it in Russian first. <laughs> yeah. uh, quote, 90% of the information I can't tell you, but I will say that we had some difficulties. I like Daryl. He made me a better player. I enjoyed playing under him. I will say this. At the moment, he did not fit our team. Last year, Sutter was the perfect coach for Calgary. This season, the leaders have changed, and he did not fit them. They did not find mutual understanding. When you invest 50 to $80 million in players, you make a choice in their favor. I sent you this yesterday, and you you reacted pretty strongly. What's your takeaway from this? Well, who is he talking about? Like, it's <laughs> who, who who changed? What leaders changed? It's Huberto. Huberto Uyghur came in. Kachuk and Johnny Hockey left. Kadri came in. That's that's exactly what he said. So the reason Sutter's gone is because Kadri Huberto had an issue with him, right? Can can we read between the lines? Well, it's Huberto. He had a great quote on um, Sutter not too long ago too about just just not fit, you know aligning with each other and not finding his best game under him. And, and you can read between the lines there. Yeah, this is just it's painting Huberto out to be just not a not a guy you want to coach. That that's how I feel. He's just kind of a selfish, not going to do whatever it takes to win type of player. Maybe I'm wrong, but obviously he butted heads with Daryl Sutter, who is an abrasive guy. Don't get me wrong. He likes to coach his way. If you don't play his way, he's going to let you know. He's not going to mix words. He's going to pull you in his office or blast you in front of the team. Huberto didn't like that. Cotter didn't like that. Now the coach is gone. You invested all that money. The inter- the interesting part of what uh, Zadorov said is. I'm not going to tell you 90% yeah, of the stuff. Yeah. It's like, if that's the 10%, what's the other 90? Like, it makes me think there was just like screaming matches in the locker room. There has to be that kind of animosity. If he's not telling us the other stuff and this is what he's giving us, this is juicy. If uh, Lucic is a free agent now, if he officially doesn't go back to Calgary, which I'm sure he won't, but if he doesn't, we should get him on and see if he'll share any, any more info. Yeah, I could get Zadorov on. I played with them in Buffalo. You should. I tell you what, those um, Russians love their Gucci. <laughs> yeah. Total side off sidebar, but I, I went shopping with him and uh, what was his name? Mikhail Gregorenko. Two first rounders, you know, big futures. We were shopping in Florida or something from Buffalo. They went nuts. They saw a Louis Vuitton store. They went nuts. Gucci. I'm like, you guys, you're rookies. Where are you getting all this money from? We're like, it's so expensive in Russia. They come here and buy it all up. So it's cheaper. It's crazy. They love it. I know. I'm not, I'm not. Are you a big Louis Vuitton guy, Tim? No, I couldn't care less about any of that stuff. What's your fanciest thing you have? Is it a watch? Is it a necklace? Is it a shirt, some shoes, a belt buckle, a wallet? What's your biggest fashion thing? I don't. Yeah. I mean, maybe one of my suits, but I don't even know what brands they are. Like, I don't. I don't care about that stuff. It's not something I'm going to spend money on. Now, is it that you don't care about it or you can't afford it? Well, honestly, if I had money, I don't think I'd, I still wouldn't buy that stuff. Partly because I would ruin it. I would get it dirty. I would lose it. I would I would yeah. like, rip at the seams, whatever. I That's why I don't buy nice sunglasses. I would break them and lose them. I just buy the cheap ones that look nice. Yeah. I don't even have sunglasses because my face is so wide. Every pair of sunglasses I buy, they look silly on me because I have just a massive head. I've even Googled like um, sunglasses for wide faces. 
and I buy the ones from Oakley and they're like, they're called oculars or octagons or something. And they still like, I put them on and the, the arms go out because they're squeezed onto my fat face. It is what it is. You know, nobody's perfect, Tim. There's another thing I want to ask you about. You probably didn't see this. Did you see what the Coyotes poll they tweeted out yesterday? I don't want to dump on this team anymore. It's so it's just embarrassing. Asking your fan base where we should build the arena. They go, what are we doing here? (laughs) Frank Cervelli nailed it. He's like, are we in junior B? What's happening when you're, you're asking your fan base where we should build the arena. Like it literally on their Twitter Arizona Coyotes official Twitter account. They said, Hey, pack, we want to hear from you. Where should the Coyotes build our new home? And it's Mesa, Scottsdale, Chandler, Gilbert, all cities surrounding Phoenix. It's just like they've been banned from Glendale. Tempe doesn't want them. Phoenix doesn't want them. How about you figure out where you're wanted? And then you go build there. You don't ask your fan. It's just like, I'm guessing they got roasted in all the replies. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if people just came after him. Because it's such a tone-deaf tweet, especially after what just happened in the vote. Like, how dumb are you, you guys? You're the laughing stock of the league, and you just throw a softball up for everybody. One guy goes, Mexico. Port of Vallarta. It's just like Quebec City, Houston, Surrey, BC, Arizona, Quebec. It's just, it's just so tone deaf. Whoever runs their social media should be fired. It's just really, really bad. Yeah, like I know you said, Tim. You don't want to keep dumping on these guys, but they, the stuff like this just keeps happening, and they do it to themselves, and they're such an easy target for jokes. It's not, it's not our fault. We can't help it's not it. Our fault. Hey, Obligated. should we do a voicemail, Tim? Yeah, I have. A, I have a got about thirty-five here. to fifty lined up, so just pick a good one. Yeah, they're all just so long. That's the problem. This is this is a quicker one here. So let me put cue it up. And let me reemphasize: we will give out the number at the end of the podcast. Keep it 20, 20 seconds, so we can play it on the show. A lot of people like to tell you their opinion. We can't play that, you guys. It's it's too long. These two minute long voicemails. You're just not going to cut it. All right, Tim. Who's okay. this? This is Eddie. Eddie, bravo. I love it. One sec. Question. Howdy, boys. This is Eddie Mack calling from Los Angeles, California, by way of Freehold, New Jersey. Two questions for you. First, how do we feel about ESPN's coverage of the NHL playoffs in general? And secondly, how do we feel about this period coaches' interview and then the intermission interview? Got a big debate going with the boys. Appreciate it, boys. Love you. Okay, ESPN's coverage, um, not great, <laughs> right? Lackluster, not primetime games, not even on ESPN. They're on ESPN Plus or on ESPN2. It's non-existent, I could say, Eddie. When everybody saw that we signed a deal with ESPN, we were very excited. I think the previous deal ended in 1996. The coverage we had gotten with ESPN was good. They put us primetime. We were on ESPN, the main channel. A lot with this deal. I don't think we've been on ESPN once, Tim. The main channel, prime time. We're not getting that. We're getting pushed to the back burner. So I, I don't think this deal has worked out well for the players. I don't think it's grown the game. If anything, it's hurt us. We have 
amazing talent, amazing games were not being showcased around the country at all. And the second question was what, Tim? How do I feel about the interviews with the coaches during the game? Yeah, during the game. They interview them during the commercial breaks in the middle of the period. Yeah, I like it. I think it's nice. It's a little annoying. The coaches hate doing it. They don't want to. So they're giving generic answers. I think it's a nice way to get fans engaged with the game and kind of get an insight how it's like on the bench, what the coaches are feeling. You're never going to get a true answer, but it's just neat that you're getting an interview from the coach on the bench. I feel like that's the way sports are going. Baseball is interviewing players on the field during the game. So hockey has to do something to keep up with that, to kind of keep the fans engaged at this, the way this life works, this society works. You want all the information, all the entertainment right now. I want to talk to the coach right now. I think it's good. I've been surprised. The one thing I've been surprised with most, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the live mics, they let so many F-bombs go and swear words go. It's incredible that they don't get in trouble from the FCC. I, I'm amazed. But yeah, I don't mind the interviews during the benches. I, I think it's not too interesting. I think they could have better questions, whether it's Emily Kaplan or whoever's doing the interviews. Maybe come up with a little bit more, a little more meat on the bone. But what do you expect? It's during the game. They're not going to ask him consequential questions. Well, what happened to the power play there? Why, why aren't you guys uh, working? You know, what's what's happening with that kill? What's happening with this player? Like that guy right there, why is he sucking tonight? Why aren't you playing him more? I don't know. I, I it's I get it. It's good. Do you like them, Tim? I mean, I do. It's exactly like you said. It's just that quick. It's always short and positive with your answer. Like they're down one, nothing two nothing. the coach. And the question is about what adjustments do you want to see in the second half of this period? And they're like, oh, we're playing fine. We're playing fine. A couple of bad bounces didn't go our way. We'll be fine. That's it. You know what I mean? And there's not that much meat in it, but I guess it's better than not having them. You know, it's, it adds a little bit of uh, insight into the game. It's just interview John Tortorella always. No matter yeah. what. That number, by the way, leave a voicemail again. Keep it short, 980-522-8146, 980-522-8146. Speaking of coaches, I don't think we're giving Paul Maurice much accolades for what he's done this year with the Florida Panthers. When he was signed as head coach, I gave him so much criticism. I said, why are you getting this guy? He couldn't get it done in Winnipeg. He's just going to recycle all his old adages that didn't work in Winnipeg. He just came into Florida and done pretty well. I don't know how much that has to do with Matthew Kachuk. I don't know how much that has to do with the team that's very familiar with each other. You got to give him some kudos. The guy's doing a great job. He's coaching fantastic. He's playing great. This is a good coaching matchup between him and Rod Brindamore. I, good job, Paul Maurice. You know what? Very good job by him. Because it was a tough situation to come into. This is the president's trophy team. Coach gets fired because of off-ice off issues doesn't get rehired it's uh it's it's not the most sweetest spot to come in you lose your best player you lose one of your top defensemen you struggle the first half of the season he's right at the ship he's doing well so good for paul maurice smart anything else tim uh no we got a big game tonight game one of the western conference final between dallas and vegas after watching game one of this game because you picked carolina i picked florida are you rethinking your pick? Do you want to take Vegas? Do you want to go with, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights over the Dallas Stars? Are you you good with Dallas? Do you know there's like a running joke among our listeners that whatever they want you to root against their team because we're we're wrong so often. Like when when it's like when John picks your team to win, it's like the death wish. That's in the regular season. In the playoffs, <laughs> I'm pretty spot on in the playoffs. 
Last year, I nailed 85% of the picks. This year, I feel like I've nailed, I want to say 70. There was some upsets in the first round with Florida and Seattle. I've nailed most of my picks this this offseason. I picked Toronto, big mistake. I picked Boston, big mistake. The only ones I've gotten wrong are, are Florida. I didn't make I did not make that mistake. So maybe in the regular season for the Stanley Cup champs at the beginning of the season, you can write those guys off. But all in all, I'm pretty spot on. Like when we when we had a sponsor a year and a half ago, we haven't had a sponsor in a gazillion years. But when we did have one, my gambling picks were pretty solid. I was in the red, baby. I was doing okay. So yeah, running jokes, you guys, I get it. But in the playoffs, you listen to me. It's going to be Dallas. It's going to be Florida in the Stanley Cup final. You heard it here first. Tim, are you revisiting your Vegas pick? No, I, no, I picked Dallas. I picked Dallas. I picked Dallas and Carolina. I know. Do you want to pick Vegas? No. Okay. No. They're the Western Conference champs. I think everybody forgets they won the Western Conference. You're still picking Dallas. Dallas, man. It's been my team all season long. Everyone knows it. Oh, yeah. Dallas and Colorado and New Jersey and Boston. You Edmonton. do blanket coverage, Edmonton. You pick everybody. It's just a joke. I pick one team. That's all I pick. Florida Panthers the whole season long. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay. That's a good place to end it. It is. All right, everybody. Have fun watching the game tonight. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to everybody on Monday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.